Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Welcome in to the latest episode of the Five on the Floor podcast on the Five Reasons Sports Network. We cover the Miami Heat and the NBA here, but check out three yards per carry on the Dolphins and the NFL. Five rings, canes on the Miami Hurricanes and college football. Been a bit of a disappointing season there and also Cinco Razones. If you're inclined to speak Spanish or Spanglish, they've got like a cast of thousands covering all kinds of sports. They're also FiveReasonsSports.com. Spell it out, F-I-V-E, ReasonsSports.com. We'll have more announcements on Heat writers that you're going to want to check out there this season. We have more free content than anybody else. It's not close. So go to FiveReasonsSports.com and check out our other podcasts. Also, I want to tell you about a new sponsor of the Five Reasons Sports Network. I think all three of us agree on this particular topic. So no problem with this sponsor at all. It's Dutch Valley Farms. For starters, they are not your average cannabis grow farm. No, they've got deep roots in the 305 and this hometown group of doctors, CPAs, and Silicon Valley professionals have taken their talents from the 305 to the 503 that's up in the Portland area to make you the finest flower out there. How does Miami find its way all the way in Oregon? Simple, a team with a shared belief in cannabis research and erasing the stigma behind the bud. Today, the Dutch Valley Farms crew is bringing together old school growing practices with new school tech to deliver a consistently clean, high-quality experience that you can feel good about. The proof is in the plant. Do you want more information? Visit DutchVF.com. That's DutchVF.com or follow them on Instagram at Dutch Valley Farms. And now, on to today's episode. Welcome to Five on the Floor, a Miami Heat and NBA podcast from Ethan Skolnick with Alvon Sydney, a.k.a. Alf954. Brought to you by the Five Reasons Sports Network. All right, Ethan Skolnick back here, and we've got the full crew as we're leading up to the season. This is kind of an emergency episode. We were not planning on this one. Uh, this has been a pretty good camp for the Miami Heat from the very beginning. There's really only been one issue, which is you know, James Johnson showed up in shape, but not heat shape or not heat weight. And Pat Riley is basically, you know, basically sent him home from camp because he didn't meet Riley's standards. There's been one other issue that's come up. So we've got two podcasts are going to be coming up before the start of the season. One is I had a long conversation with Eric Reed about the five things he's looking forward to this season. So be sure to check that out before the opening tip against Memphis on Wednesday. And also the three of us are going to do a predictions pod. We'll go over what we expect from the team as a whole and also the individuals on the team. But we've got to deal with Deion Waiters, guys. I know we've discussed him at times on different podcasts, and I'm here with Alphonse Sidney and Alex Toledo. You can follow him at Alf954 and at Tropical Blanket. We've discussed him. We've discussed his role. We've discussed his unhappiness. But this thing has come to a head in a way that I don't even know the Hassan Whiteside situation did. I mean, Hassan talking about things being BS after games, but Hassan wasn't on Instagram posting slander about Eric Spolstra and basically mocking anybody who thought that Tyler Harrow or some other player on the team was better than him. Yeah, what do we make? 
right? This is publicly, <laughs> this is publicly ugly. Like the Hassan thing never really was. Yeah, I, to me, this is unprecedented in the Heat organization, right? Like I, I can't remember a situation. I mean, the Heat don't let things get out, and they don't like social media to begin with. They deal with it, but they don't let things get out. And Dion expressing his unhappiness. I saw today the guy who I guess he goes by Heat versus Haters. On Instagram, he said that I don't know if this is true or not, so probably shouldn't throw up. But he said, you know, Dion's publicist told him to take the post down because the way Instagram works, you can't really delete his comment. So, so it was like, could you please delete the post? I, I mean, let's go to you first, Alex, on this. Like, where did the heat go with Dion Waiters at this point now that it's so out in the open? And I feel like the fan base has turned against him in a way that it took a while for the fan base to turn against Hassan Whiteside. I mean, yeah, it's definitely different because Hassan was just this random thing that came out of nowhere. You know, he was, they dropped Shannon Brown to sign him and Hassan just turned into this beast who he ended up signing to a max. So it's definitely a different situation, whereas Dion came in as the number four pick out of the draft. There were some expectations with him. Yeah, it's a weird situation because we keep hearing conflicting things, right? It's like Spo was saying at training camp that he's in shape, but he's not in heat shape. Then you've got Dion immediately after saying, no, I am in shape. And you've got Slim, Skinny McGee of Balls Cast saying that he spoke to Dion Waiters trainer, David Alexander, and he said that the Heat are tripping, that he's definitely in shape, that it's some type of personal issue from last year. And I'm not even sure what to think right now. Besides that, I do understand why Dion would be like, I should be starting. Uh, you know, you guys paid me. I got back into shape. You can't even tell me that I can't space the floor because I definitely can. I'm a good defender. I'm a good playmaker. I think in his eyes, there's definitely an understandable case for why he should be starting. But it is, you know, it, it's a lot of conflicting information. Well, you mentioned, and before I go to Alf on this, I mean, you mentioned David Alexander, and it's not like there's no history with David Alexander in the Heat organization. like All the history. I, right. I mean, David Alexander was LeBron's trainer, in addition to Mike <laughs> Mancius, and then Dwayne switched to, to him. I mean, that, that's, I mean, so, I mean, the Heat know David Alexander. He's based yeah. here. I think he wears the Chalmers, too. He worked with Rio Dosa. I mean, there's like I said, they know him. He knows them. But I'm glad you raised this point because you and I were up there that day. That was that was a light day at Heat training camp on that Saturday. It was like you, me, and Anthony Chang were like the only sort of outside reporters that were there. There were some Heat TV yep. people. I think Eric, Eric Reed was there that day, right? Or a couple of others. But mm -hmm. it was not – Karate was there. But there was not a lot of uh, of like sort of outside independent reporters – and, you know, Spolster, there were really two things that came up that day. And I think I asked one of the questions. Anthony Chang asked the other question. And Anthony's was about shape. And I was surprised, A, that Eric answered it the way he did, but also that Dion went right back at him, like right afterwards. Because Dion was the first player we got after that, that presser. And it was like, you know, this was a casual thing with them breaking camp. And uh, some of them were going down to the UM game. Like they just wanted to get out of, out of West Palm. And then the second thing about it was the whole, you know, where Dion's going to get his shots from. And I had that conversation with him because, you know, Eric kind of gave this sort of menu of things that Dion could do. And a lot of it is analytics based. And Dion's response to me, and I posted this on Twitter that day, was basically, mm, you know, you, you know, I mean, if a guy goes under the, if a guy goes under the screen, you shoot it. Like, it's just, you know, I mean, and it just, it has seemed like philosophically, Alf, that they've been on a different page for a while, whether it's, the injury and the surgery and whether or not Dion should have had surgery when he did, which I know the Heat did not want him to at the time, uh, or uh, whether it's been about sort of play style, it, it just, or now about shape. Like everything seems to be a conflict here. So how is it resolved? I mean, I don't know if it's resolved. I think it's resolved with Dion no longer being on this team. And 
I, I think we've talked about it a thousand times. Like we all thought the, the, the prospect of him coming off the bench with Goran was going to make that bench pretty unstoppable. But the problem is, even over the course of the summer, Dion would have these Instagram comments when he would just basically laugh at anybody even suggesting that he come off the bench. So what you have here is a player who thinks of himself almost as a superstar, definitely a starting two guard in this in this league. And then you have an organization which is trying to maybe go in a different, younger direction. Now, I don't know if this would have been uh, as big of an issue without the emergence of Tyler Hero. But if you remember, Tyler Hero didn't start the first preseason game either. It was actually Duncan Robinson. So Deion Waiters hasn't started a single preseason game. So I don't know if he was ever in the in the in the um, if he was ever going to start this year. So I don't know if it's about heat shape. You know, I, that's one thing that Slim uh, is getting at on the timeline that it's not. He's saying it's not fair because Deion got into shape over the summer. He really worked his ass off. But I really I don't think it has. I don't think the conditioning is the reason for this. Like. I think it's the the constant whining, the constant complaining, the the putting maybe they consider him putting himself above the team because if you look at Goran Dragic can make a really good case that he is a starter in this league. He's a, a, a year what a year away from being an All Star. You had Dwayne Wade, who this basically is his franchise. He came off he came off the bench last year, so I don't know if it, it's. Is it is it heat shape or is it the fact that maybe they feel like this guy and I'm not saying this I listen I don't know but maybe that's how they feel that he's putting himself before team and some of his comments will kind of reflect that. Well, you have to remember what Pat Riley said at his presser at the end of the year. I let the culture slip. I let the culture slip. Okay? And ever since then, he and Spolster have been on the same page about everything to the point that Eric Spolster basically called out Deion Waiters last year, which is not something Eric does. And I mentioned at the time on the podcast, it's not something he does. It's something Riley will do, but it's more like what Eric did the other day, I'll defer to Pat on that. That's more like what he typically does. But he made a point to call out Waiters. That wasn't as strong a call out as maybe Riley did, but it was there, and that's not something he did. And remember – how, you know, Eric kind of danced around the Hassan thing for basically three years, right? But <laughs> you, know what's fu- you know what's funny, Ethan? Mm-hmm. I was actually thinking that today. And this seems like the entire, for the first time in a few years, right? And completely outside looking in, it seems like the entire Heat organization is in the same, on the same wavelength, in the same mindset, whether it be coaching staff to front office to star player, which I think is the most important, one of the most important parts of this whole this whole conversation we're having from star player to head to coaching staff, to front office, they're on this one wavelength. It's almost like they're, they're, they're single-minded in, in, in their, in their goals. And it doesn't look like this year, anything is going to get in the way of that, right? They're not going to let any outside distractions mess with what the end goal is going to be. Well, I also think they're trying to say it's not just a setting a tone with their star player. I think they're setting a tone for their star player. I think that they're basically telling Jimmy, this is the kind of organization you want to be part of long term and you want to commit not just what he committed himself in terms of four years and the financial commitment that the Heat made, but you want to commit sort of your body and soul to this because this is what we believe in. We keep talking about, you know, who Jimmy Butler's sort of predecessor with the Heat organization is, and we keep coming up with Alonzo Mourning. 
I mean, that that's who, you know, when you, when I did a, uh, the podcast with Eric today, you'll hear it with Eric Reed. You'll hear it. it. He talks about Alonzo Mourning in the context of Jimmy Butler. And, and this is kind of the way that they handle things with Zoe. It was like when other guys, look, they were tough. I mean, I'm going to make a comparison here. We keep talking about Dwayne. I mean, the Dwayne comparison for Dion is a losing comparison. I mean, you, Dwayne freaking Wade, okay? I don't care. Somebody on Twitter was trying to say to me he was 36. I don't care. I don't care. By the time he was 36, he had three championships, okay? Like, this is, Dion Waiters is not and will never be Dwayne Wade in any capacity in this town. Now, can he be an effective player for this team? Does he have a useful skill set? Absolutely. We've talked about that. We've praised Dion getting into shape, although I think we praise him too much. I mean, he's getting paid to be in shape, okay? But I, this, the, the comparison to me is Tim Hardaway to a little bit. Like, they had issues with Tim kind of, getting out of shape at times. I mean, Tim, when he was I am on the podcast, he kind of backed off all this stuff, but he and Pat used to go at it all the time, all the time. Okay, but again, Deion Waiters isn't Tim Hardaway either. And I, I just, I don't know. Or he thinks friend. he is. He thinks he is. Well, he thinks he's Kobe Wade, right? I was going to say, he thinks he's way better than Tim Hardaway. Right, he does. Kobe Wade, one of the most underrated nicknames of all time. Absolutely, which he gave himself. Like, you don't, I mean, I mean, when you give yourself a nickname, it's different, right? Like, I mean, so, and I don't want to disparage Dion because I, I, I had said, even the Charlotte game, I think I tweeted, like, Dion deserves enormous credit for getting himself into this kind of shape and, and looking like this, but he keeps undercutting it and, like you said, there. This is a no tolerance season. It's been pretty damn clear from the beginning, and I I don't know how he didn't sort of get that message, or if he's just wanted out of here all along, which is possible. Yeah, you know, nobody says he's a bad guy. It's just it's and nobody says he's a bad guy. I know a lot of people who love, who love him in Philadelphia. He gives back to that community. He's not a bad guy. It's just he doesn't. They, he has like the Chalmers thing, but like with Rio, it wasn't toxic. Like with, with Dion, it's sometimes it's toxic. I think that's maybe he's listen. And they say it all the time. This, this, this team, this franchise isn't for everybody. Right. Maybe he's tired of it. Maybe he's trying to get himself shipped off somewhere else. <laughs> I, I wonder if, and one of the big questions I have is let's say they can't, they can't trade him. Um, I, there was a report that they've been trying to trade him for a year and a half, I believe. Um, and I believe that just because of the contract, if, if nothing else, right. what happens after this season when it's time for his player option? Does he opt in or does he double down and bet on himself? That's true. We haven't even mentioned that. Well, he might, though. But, Alex, the thing about it is, like, we talked about it with Hassan, and I remember talking to Hassan's agent during all this. And it's a lot more money with Hassan, obviously, a lot more money. It's twice as much money um, per year. But, like, when, in talking to Hassan's agent, like, I kept because we kept hearing these reports from, you know, the – you know, that little idiot crew on Twitter that's always all over us, like, you know, about, you know, the possibility of Hassan, you know, opting out. And like, so I would call his agent and he'd be like, Ethan, stop. Okay, stop. Okay. <laughs> He's taking the money. All right. And, and so, you know, with Dion, now Dion may look at it differently. Dion may look at his money, which is less than half of what Hassan's was. And Dion thinks he's a, you know, an elite two guard in the league. But when we come back, I want to get to something here. Um, and we've got, uh, we've got an ad coming up from somebody who probably could have helped Dion this summer, actually. But after this, um, I want to get to this question because this to me is the heart of it. How many teams would Dion Waiters start on? We'll be right back. 
We'll get back to our episode here in a second. But one thing that you know, if you followed me, is that I'm old. I've been doing this since 1996. That was my first year covering the Miami Heat. When you get old, you get out of shape. And that's what was happening to me. It wasn't enough for me just to go to the gym because all I'll do there is exercise my Twitter fingers. I needed someone to push me a little bit. I reached out to Jose from Evolution of Fitness, and you should too. It's not just a workout for you there. It's like a total nutrition program and everything else. And as someone who used to drink six Coca-Colas a day, I definitely need that. So reach out to Jose. I'm not posting workout selfies. I will just tell you I look and feel better than I did a few months ago. Give him a call at 754-423-1153. That's 754-423-1153. Reach out to Jose, Evolution of Fitness. Make sure you mention Ethan or five reasons so he knows where you came from and maybe he'll take it easy on you, but probably not. All right, Ethan Skolnick here for Five on the Floor. And this is a topic I want to tackle because I threw it out there on Twitter. And my question, I guess, would be for Deion Waiters or anybody who's sort of advising him is if you don't want to be here because you're not a starter and you think that you should be starting over, I don't know, take your pick. Tyler Harrow, who's Jimmy Butler's favorite, clearly. Duncan Robinson, who has not shot the ball well in preseason. Kendrick Nunn, who just dropped 40 on the Rockets, okay? If you think you should be playing ahead of any of those guys, right? then the idea that would be that you would go somewhere else where you would start. So I'll give this to both of you. Alf, where does he start? Where does Deion Waiters go right now and start? Uh, I'm actually looking through. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at (laughs) beatthestigma.org. NBA teams right now. I mean, because like the names you're seeing, Danny Green, uh, Evan Fournier. I mean, does he go to the Magic and start over Fournier? No. I don't don't believe so. No. No. Maybe on the Lakers over Caldwell Pope. But yeah, I don't that, even think he's not even starting. That, but right, that's the comp, right? Like Caldwell Pope, Pope is the comp. That's not a good comp. Okay. Will, Will Barton, Marcus Smart, Nick Batum, Ty, uh, Tyreek Evans on the. He page, wouldn't but, start. I don't like Marcus Smart that much, but the, in Boston, he wouldn't start over Marcus Smart. And no. would he start in Indiana right now? Who's there too without all the depot? Jeremy Lamb, who they signed to some money this summer. I, I think he's better right. than Jeremy Lamb, but I mean, it's questionable. I, I don't know, man. I think the thing with Dion and and first of all, Detroit is also one because it's like I guess you can you could put uh, him and Carnard as your two and three, whoever you decide is a three there. But with Dion, I was kind of thinking about it as you guys were talking about it. This has kind of been following a pattern that he's seen throughout his whole career. He started off getting drafted alongside Kyrie. He was the number four pick. He had some expectations, like I alluded to earlier, and eventually they wanted to move on from him. They tried, you know, they started other guys ahead of him, just like he came off the bench in Syracuse. Uh, he ended up starting and coming off the bench in OKC, and now it's the same thing in Miami. And it was always benched for younger players. They always he was always benched for a youth movement. And I think he's seeing it again. He's like, wow. After even after I secured this bag, this four year bag, I'm still going through the same stuff. After all this hard work I put in, after all like the pain and recovery, you know, it's a weird situation because like it, it's just the same things happening to him over and over again. But why though? Like, okay, so go that's back what I'm to saying. What, why is it a pattern? And that's what I'm saying. It's tough to know because it's like we don't actually know what's going on. But there, that seems to indicate that there's some attitude problems there. I think we know. I mean, you saw it on Instagram. Like, okay, so 
I mean, you don't think that's going on behind the scenes? Look, the Cleveland situation I can speak to directly because I was there that year. That was 14-15, right? And I've talked about this. Like, he and Kyrie never really clicked. That was known. When I got there, it was like – but most people there blamed it on Kyrie. They didn't blame it on Dion. They said Kyrie was standoffish. He was cold. He didn't want to lead. A lot of Two different personalities, right? Right. Well, right, exactly. But 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 it a lot of that stuff follow has followed Kyrie his whole career. I mean, but it was kind of manifested itself there. And then LeBron was coming in and LeBron kind of tuned. I mean, I have this this video that I took of the two of them in Brazil, in Rio, because I was down there and I was there actually covering more of the Cavs than the Heat because I had just sort of flipped with Bleacher Report, but I was staying at the Heat Hotel. So I was kind of covering both. And we went to Cavs practice, and, like, LeBron is, like, trying to talk to Dion on the side, and dion has got his headphones on, like, bobbing back and forth the whole time. And I'm just thinking, this isn't going to work. And then, and then as that season progressed, I've talked about, there was a game in Portland. There's a game in Portland that was always talked to. I don't know if it was even – it had to be the same game because they only went there once, where Kyrie had no assists, okay? Um, oh, yeah. And this, and this was a big deal, right? But also in that – I believe it was in that same game because it was Portland that – I watched, I ran back, I didn't go to the game, but I ran back 13 possessions and charted them. And the first 13 possessions of the game, Love, Kyrie, I, I forgot who the fifth starter was, but Love, Kyrie, LeBron did not pass to Dion once. He did not touch the ball on the first, <laughs> on the first, on the first 13 possessions. And, and finally, I think it was on the 14th possession, he touched it and it kind of, he lost it out of bounds and he was yanked. And it was like, okay, this is just not going to work. And when Dion was traded, I was told by people inside the Cavs organization, we like Dion personally, but this was addition by subtraction. And remember who they got, because you're talking about they all, he's always been replaced by younger players. He was replaced by J.R. Smith. And all, right, <laughs> Culture setter. Right. An older player with a reputation for blowing his way out of New York, right? Denver, there were issues. Everywhere he went, there were issues. And Dion's a better, like, to me, Dion's a better player than J.R. Smith. But they felt, and LeBron, here's the key thing. LeBron signed off on that trade that Griffin made. They felt that J.R. Smith was the better, quote-unquote, culture fit. J.R. Smith. (laughs) Okay? So, so, So this is not, this is repeating itself, and that's why I didn't like the contract. It's not that Dion is not a good player or that, $12 $12 million for starting shooting guard at this stage would have been a bad deal, especially if it was expiring. It's that I didn't know that you could get through four years with him being satisfied with whatever his role was, especially after he gave them more than they ever anticipated they would get for him, you know, in, in that 16, 17 season. Now, do you think, is there any way this becomes addition by subtraction? Because I really don't see how this is a plus for the on-court product. I really thought that Dion and Goran off the bench was going to be super potent. Um, I like Kendrick Nunn, but Kendrick Nunn's, you know, he's also an undrafted guy, and we do fall in love with a lot of things guys do in preseason, a.k.a. Gerald Green. So is Kendrick Nunn really going to be that that second guy off the bench that plays with Goran and and they run other second units out of the building? Or is is, is, is this... possibly a bad thing for the roster i think kendrick nunn's for real i do and i I will tell you also again going back to eric reed uh i asked him for his five things that he was looking forward to this year and kendrick nunn was one of them and i've heard that from other people inside the organization like they love the thing about kendrick nunn to me 
is that he has not had a bad game yet. Can you guys remember one preseason? Uh, in summer league either. Not in summer league, right? Like everybody talks about Tyler Hero in in summer league. Like Kendrick Nunn was their most consistent player in summer See, league. The thing, and the thing with, you and with, I were there. Yeah, I think the thing is he wouldn't be the second man or the second guard off the bench. Like I was saying, he would probably be the tenth guy, and everybody else in the rotation would get a step up. In the case that Deion and JJ don't start the season in the rotation, which you know it's, looks looks like that's not going to happen. Why do you think he wouldn't be top nine if Deion's not available? I think he'd be top nine. If, I mean, if just in the sense that we haven't seen him, we haven't seen the sample yet in the regular season, but uh, he could definitely get there. I just wouldn't you're, imagine you're putting, that he'd be the first guy off the bench putting, right away. You're putting Derek Jones, Derek Jones Jr., Kelly Olynyk, and Duncan Nunn. Robinson. No, I'm 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 no. saying if Robinson is not, I'm saying if you. I'm not convinced, okay, that Hero's not going to start. Now, I know there's been this buzz about Duncan Robinson the past couple days and get a little more size in the lineup, but I, I just have a hunch. I may be wrong about this. It's not information-based, okay? And actually, in, again, conversation with Eric Reed, he wasn't giving away inside information, but he kind of he talked about how, you know, Spolster wants to work Tyler in slower, but that he'll probably be starting eventually. But I would not be stunned after the preseason if they, they flip the switch and it's Tyler Hero in the first game. And if that's the case, I think Duncan falls out of the rotation. And then you're looking at, as I don't think Eric's going to roll 10. So I think you're, the fact that Olenek looked healthy, he's part of it. Derek Jones Jr. is clearly part of it. Dragic is clearly part of it. To me, the ninth guy is none. It's an additional yep. ball handler. And, and he can play next to Dragic. Like, I, I don't think there's – because he can play both – they both can play both positions. So – if you're looking at it, I like, think you get staggered too. If you have any, uh, yes. you know, issues with that defensive right. pairing or whatever. And and this this organization has played rookie point guards before. I mean, I, I go back to the guy on the coaching staff right now. Anthony Carter played right away, right away. And Kendrick Nunn has, a, to me, more of an NBA ready skill set than Anthony Carter. And I liked AC, but a lot more than a lot of other people did in terms of his game. But AC was a defender. AC couldn't shoot. Like, this kid can shoot. Like, this kid is ready to play in the – and I'm not just doing based on the 40-point game. You can – honestly, guys, you can just wipe that whole game out. And I still would say this. I think he's – I think he's the ninth guy right now. And I think Dion is going to have an impossible time getting his minutes back, which it, to me is a shame because I was rooting for Dion this year because I thought he did the right things this offseason. I think he can help them. But they're not going to tolerate him going on IG slandering the coach and the rookie. I mean, it's just not – not the so organization. So you think no. it's going to be an uphill climb trying to get back into those minutes? I do. I mean, I think it's going to take an injury, honestly. Unless, I, I mean, honestly, I don't uh, think it happens. I honestly, I just don't think. It, I think they find a way to move him, and if they don't, I feel like it's just one of those going to be one of those really, really awkward NBA situations where a guy's yeah. not with the team, and there's no ex- explanations really given. I mean, we all know what the explanation is going to be, but so far he doesn't really look like he's offering any mea culpas or anything. He looks like he's standing firm. I think it's funny that we all interpreted it in three different ways because when all this stuff first came out, I personally took it as they're sending a message, right? They're doing this thing where, like, we're not messing around. It's the same thing that they did with James Johnson. And then at some point, they're going to try to integrate both of them back into the rotation and they'll both be hanging around 18, 20 minutes a game, depending who you're talking about. But you guys are seeming to say he might not even be here or, you know, it's going to be a month or something before he gets back into the rotation. Well, Alex, why wouldn't they reward the – look, to me, they're getting back into that culture thing in a real way, not like, again, the Rodney Magruder way. They're getting into it with more talented players who they want to sort of perform with a certain edge. See, but I do tend to agree with Alf that I think it's a negative if Dion isn't here because I think he's – 
shown to be a positive player when he's healthy. And if they're really trying to compete, they're going to need all that talent they can get. Especially, like, if you're trying to trade him, you know, hashing all of this out in the public isn't really helping. Well, that's what surprised me, Alex. Like, we talk about this, like, uh, I mean, Riley's statement stunned me. Like, okay, it was released in the dead of night, right? Okay, I mean, it was like a, I mean, what was it? It was Saturday night? I, I was out of town. It was Friday night, Saturday night? Which one of the two nights? It was Saturday night, night, I think. Saturday night, okay. So, I mean, that's even deep, even deeper than the Friday night news dump, right? Like, what you see happen in politics all the and time. And it was so late at night, too. Right. So, what, okay, so I don't know. I don't have inside information about what happened on the bench that night other than when I rewatched the, you know, the, the, the game, and I, you can see he was not into it, but... Hassan spent three years not into it when he was on the bench. So I, I don't, you know, and, and the team would always kind of publicly downplay that. For Riley to come out, and you know, guys, know I heard some things about last year too, right? Like about, you know, some disciplinary stuff last year. But for Riley to come out and like sort of put Dion on blast in the middle of the night, like, <laughs> like, okay. I mean, again, some more reporting is required here, and I was away this weekend, so I'm not going to speculate. But I, that one, uh, highly unusual, highly unusual. Also, highly unusual. Like, even for an organization that right after a championship basically sent you know James Posey and and Antoine Walker home because Antoine fulfilled his promise to drink every day after the championship until the next season. Okay. But, like, highly unusual for the James Johnson thing when it wasn't even a conditioning test. It was weight. So, I – They we are still sending, haven't gotten a, uh, a clear explanation what that was all about. Well, Bartlestein said it to Barry, right? Like, Mark – I mean, his agent. I mean, they have a great relationship with Bartlestein. Like, he, Mark basically came out and said he just didn't hit the desired weight that, that Riley wanted him to play at. But, but this is – I mean – and I know JJ, I mean, I know that some things are tied, but again, this isn't the Tim Hardaway situation where that had been a public deal the whole time and Tim, sh- you know, chafing about having to hit a certain weight. Like, it is the way they are handling things. I think it's really two things. We can talk about, excuse me, being a message. I think it is. I don't think it's a message, though, guys, to the players they're punishing. I think it's a message to the rest of the team. See, I think, I think that's where we're, we're, we're diverging here a little bit. Like, I don't think this is about... At this point, I don't think it's with J.J. and Dion like, get your asses together if you're going to play. I think they tried that this offseason. And I think what this is about, and again, I'll do more reporting on this, but I think what this is more about is, okay, we tried with these guys, and they made some effort, but this is what our standard is. And they didn't hit that. And that's what we want the rest of you to hit. I think it's more for the rest of the team than it is for them. I think, I think to a certain extent – they're kind of lost causes at this stage. Like, can they both contribute? Yes, if they're in shape. And I thought both of them would contribute this year. But I think they're of the mind, okay, if they don't, we've got Kendrick Nunn. If they don't, we'll play Akpala more. If they don't, Derek Jones Jr. gets a bigger role. Duncan Robinson. I think they think they have enough guys. Like, they, they, they don't. And, and the way Myers Leonard has competed and played, I just don't think they feel like it's this necessity for them to work both of these guys back in in any significant capacity. I think they do think it's a necessity to tell the rest of the damn team, this is what we expect. I do. JJ comes back. I, I do. Um, I just do because too. More so his attitude and his basic, well, publicly, you know, a lot of times we talk about these things when we're not in the locker room, we're not having conversation. I mean, we're in the locker room after games, but we're not in the locker room. We're not having conversations between these guys and the coaching staff. We're not seeing them. We're not hearing them, but the pub- public facing, 
JJ has been nothing but professional and nothing yes. but, you know, yes. just mature. And he's just approached it, quote unquote, the right way. So I do believe there is redemption for James Johnson this year. And I do believe that they could use him, especially because of the size. Um, but Dion, I, I just – because and you know what it is? It's just – I don't think it's just these these isolated incidents. I think there's – you know, there's like a two-year track record now. It's a cumulative where, effect. It's a yeah. cumulative effect. It, it, well, it was a cumulative effect, effect with Hassan, too. But I, I think this one, uh, the sense I get from talking to people in the organization, and we'll wrap this one up here, I, uh, is that they're more disappointed in this one than Hassan. Because I, I, there was a feeling from people I had spoken to that Dion had kind of turned the corner, and then he didn't, right? And... It's different than with Hassan, where it was like, we'll give him the max and hope. <laughs> right? I mean, I, I, think, I think with this, there were, there were moments that d- reminded them of Dwayne, you know, and, and, you know, the late game heroics, the excitement that he brought, the buy-in, the culture, the writing, the piece for Players' Tribune, all this stuff. And then it's like he has an injury. He doesn't treat it the way they wanted him to treat it. He doesn't keep himself in shape. And now he's complaining about stuff. And... I just think they've had it. Like I, they've, they've had. Everybody's talked about a fresh start, and it seems like I think JJ bought into it, but I don't think obviously he didn't hit what their their milestone. But I don't. I think they feel like Dion is the only one who hasn't bought in, and they're just they're just not going to go forward with that. So anyway, we'll get into more of this on a preview episode. Check out our episode with Eric Reed as well. That'll be out before the first game. I want to tell you about one more sponsor with the Five Reasons Sports Network, Seltzer Mayberg Law Firm. Make sure that you go there if you have a traffic ticket. They are the absolute best, and they'll give you a great price. Tell them about the $49.95 or up special. It'll be close to that $49.95, we promise you. That's what I got charged, and they got my ticket thrown out. So go to onecalllegal.com. They take cases from all over the state, and they will have someone available on that website 24 hours a day. We share an office with them in North Miami. They've been exceptionally supportive of us and the Five Reasons Sports Network. So we ask that you support them as well. I'll talk to you soon. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.